Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 179 of the Pegasus Podcast. I am Christian Simmons, who does not normally do the intro, and I am not joined by Bailey Adams, but I am joined by Brian Peterson. Welcome, Brian. Christian, thanks for having me. I'm glad to uh, fill in when uh, Bailey couldn't be here. I feel like you might be an upgrade. So former student body president, contributing writer to the Sons of UCF. I, I We'd said on our past podcast how I was just going to do another solo pod, which... I think I've said on air, I hate doing. I, it may be surprising given how much I talk, but I actually don't like just talking to myself for 30 straight minutes. So we went and found a Bailey replacement. So welcome to the show, Brian. I'm excited to have I, you here. I don't know if I believe you for a second that uh, you don't like talking to yourself. <laughs> well, I do when I'm just like walking around my home, but it's like when I'm allowing my stream of consciousness just like out into the world, it's a little more stressful, especially because like, I always think when Bailey and I do a show, like after it ends, we always have the exact same conversation. I click the end button and we both look at each other and I'm like, that was a good pod. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty good. And, or maybe we're like, that sucked. And we're really, we're really unhappy with this. But when it's just me, I'm like, I have no idea if that was good or not. I'm just sending it onto the world and hoping it was not terrible. So this is way better. I would pay good money to hear the inner monologue running through Christian's head on a, on a regular basis. I uh, there's promise gotta, it's there's not some good. gold in there somewhere. You think I'm joking? It's literally just uniforms, like all the time. In just <laughs> There's the nothing wrong way. with that. It's just nothing but uniforms. <laughs> but okay. UCF is actually after a, freaking five game losing streak in the middle of the season they clinched ball eligibility with a win over houston they won 27 to 13 it was also not like i don't know i i had hoped that they were going to win this game pretty easily and i'm not going to say that it was not competitive the whole way because it absolutely was but it felt like ucf was in control for most of the game i would say that this was this game was really a tale of two halves it felt like the first half was you know we were on the brink of is this going to be a, i don't want to call it a shootout but are we going to come down you know the final minutes houston's really given it to us we didn't really seem to have an answer on defense of slowing them down we had a lot of penalties that just seemed to come at at, at the wrong time the refs were being questionable again and that first half really felt like okay this is going to be a long afternoon um, in the second half of the game, we seemed like we were able to move the ball with ease. The defense really started to step it up, um, and it felt much more comfortable. I will say that the last three minutes of the fourth quarter, I still had the jitters. You know, they, mm. there was a potential for them to to get into the end zone, potentially get an onside kick, and you you, you just never know. This has been a season of you never know, and especially with this defense, and because they had that moment where UCF killed like. God, like seven minutes of clock on their second to last offensive drive. But then Houston gets the ball back. It was it was the final score. It was 27-13. And I even tweeted, I was like pretty much over, like go Knights charge on. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking more. And I'm like, if Houston finds a way to score really quickly here, like on a big play, it is 27-20. And then, and then I have the same thing too, where I'm getting, you even replied to my tweet. I'm like, oh, maybe I am getting palpitations now. Maybe this isn't good. But this was one of my biggest takeaways from this game. And honestly, the last few games was the first drive for Houston. Houston pretty much blitzes down the field. They score and I'm like this and, and they're running the ball, which is not something they do well. And I'm just like this defense, man, it just can't hang. We're in for the same problems we've had all year. Defense was good for pretty much the rest of the day. They had huge plays. I just I don't I don't know what to make of the defensive switch, but I, I pulled up the stat that I think they're averaging. They're allowing 16.5 points per game in their last four games. I don't know what happened. I have no earthly idea what happened to the defense, but today was a very good day for them. 
It was. Uh, Malachi Lawrence was in the backfield. John Walker was all over the place. Those two guys really uh, jumped out at me as being superstars for this game. Um, like I said, that that first drive, and I don't know if it was because it's one of those scripted drives that Houston comes out ready, ready to throw at UCF. Uh, but other than that first drive, it really felt like the defense started to pick up and started to click and they were able to get stopped when we needed them, uh, barring any crazy penalties or conferencing from the refs today that just seemed to be throwing flags like crazy. But uh, I'm it, not it I time. try to not like because I know that like a lot of UCF Twitter is always like the refs hate us. And I, I try to avoid the the ref stuff mainly because I'm just like. You know, it balances out over the course of a game or over the course of a season. And I also know there are some fans who it's like anything happens to UCF and it's like the refs. But like today there was some stuff T- today. There was some stuff. I think the one that stood out to me was the Lee Hunter where Houston's quarterback straight up flopped. Like he just got yeah. tapped at the end of a play and went flying through the air. And I literally was like starting to say in the press box, I was like, oh, a nice flop there. And then the flags coming out and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was, so I watched the game from home. I, I couldn't make, I had family uh, obligations, so I couldn't make it to Orlando for the game. So of course I watched it on the couch and I have the Mark Daniels uh, broadcast queued up so that I don't have to listen to the uh, the Fox Sports one broadcast. And so <laughs> why not? I watched, they've been so good all year. They've been <laughs> so, yeah, they've really just been excellent. Um, so I had the, I had the game on, I watched the play happen on TV and I, you know, the play was over. Okay. Great play by John Walker. And all of a sudden the flag comes out and Mark Daniels is literally beside himself calling what, what could they possibly be throwing a flag for? And then they say targeting. And it was that collective, like, are you serious? This is, there's no way when you watch the replay back. Yeah. You could see that when, you know, when he makes the tackle, he kind of pushes the pushes him backwards and his head is kind of forward a little bit, but I don't know. It was a stretch to, to a try and call that targeting. Yeah. I it's, Big 12 refs. We were warned about it for two years going in by the other fan bases, but I, I'm trying to figure out how, and maybe you can even tell me better because I've barely been on Twitter since the game ended. But to me, in my book, this was the goal for this season was make a bowl game, get to six wins. I think all off season we spent saying, we spent saying six and five or seven and five. And I hope that fans understand what an accomplishment this is. Like, I'm good with this result. Are there things I would change? Yes. I'm going to be talking about the Baylor game for the rest of my life, and I'm never going to get over that. But they did it. They're going bowling. And we're going to find out where in the next few days, and I'm very excited. But I just, I hope that the fan base is generally understanding of like, hey, goal was accomplished for year one. I hope there isn't anyone who's like, you know, where, where's our Big 12 championship appearance coming or anything like that? Well, there's definitely two sides of that coin, right? There's a lot of us, myself included, who said, you know, six and six or seven and five is very attainable. And that should be the goal is, you know, to be bowl eligible in our first year. And then there was the other side of the coin, which is, and maybe that was, you know, a lot of people buying into Gus's, you know, preseason mm-hmm. hype that we're going to, you know, we're going to compete and maybe we'll, you know, we'll be nine and three at the end of the season. Probably was probably never going to happen as we see now. Uh, depth just wasn't on our side. We didn't have the guys to uh, to pull a nine and three or a ten and two type season that some people thought. But yeah, I think you and Bailey have been saying it all season long that six and six and making a bowl and being the best of the newcomers uh, and assuming that BYU doesn't win their game against Oklahoma State tonight will be the only of the four new teams going bowling, which is fantastic. And that's the first off. Thank you for just validating all my opinions. That's really why we brought you on to just sit here and be like Bailey and Christian never on my job. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You can go now and I'll just sit here and ramble to myself for a few minutes. But no, to me, that was always the factor. Cause listen, my opinions on that might've changed if we got to this point this season and like 
this would never be possible, but like BYU's nine and three and Houston's eight and four. And since he's competitive, then I might be saying, okay, something went wrong here. But first off, we already had the sample size of TCU and Utah way back in the day. They both went seven and five when they made the jump. Cincinnati is horrible this year. They won one game in the big 12 Houston Holgerson might get fired. Joseph Duarte at the Houston Chronicles reporting there from meeting with him tomorrow, which usually when you like have an unexpected meeting with your coach the day after he finishes four and eight, it's not to be like, great job. Here's a contract extension. So I'd be a little worried if I were him. And then BYU started five and two and is now probably going to miss a bowl. So it's hard for me to justify people being pissed about the way the season turned out when they literally are the only one of those new four who are going to a bowl pending BYU and the only one who was even com- the other thing is the only one who was even competitive. I mean, the other four were getting blown out basically week in and week out. And UCF really just had one horrific result against Kansas and the rest of the way they were competitive. A couple of plays could go differently in any number of games, and we could have still potentially been in the talk to perhaps, you know, find ourselves as a dark horse in the championship game. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any argument that of the four newcomers this year that UCF has has had the best hand. Yeah, I think UCF might actually be, depending on how the rest of today goes. So, like, apologies if you're listening to this on Sunday and I was just grossly wrong. I think they're going to finish ninth in the Big 12, which for year one, I'm cool with. I'm totally cool it. with that. Considering we had a five-game slide, I will absolutely take that. They lost six games and they did five of them. No, six games. I just, right. I, I, oh yeah, by just the fact they did five at once, right? Like six and six, but we just did five in a group. I, 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 I don't know how it happened, but I was gonna say I love that they lost five. I really didn't, didn't love that part. But well, I love yeah. they were able to recover from it. But you're never gonna recover on Twitter after saying that. Quotes. Oh dear God, no, I did not. Say. <laughs> I, I personally <laughs> love the five-game losing streak. It built character, it built grit, and it set them up for this three-and-one finish. But. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, so many players had great days today. I don't even know if we can cover them all. JRP was accurate as hell. Only four incompletions the entire day. 23 of 27, 253 yards and a touchdown. Kobe Hudson had a career-high nine catches for 98 yards. Javon had two catches for 59. Xavier Townsend had a touchdown where he juked out like half of Houston's That was an offense. amazing play. That was I an mean, amazing play. Good Lord, yeah. I'm going to miss him next year when he's on some other team and he's transferred, but I'm really a big fan of Xavier Townsend. Yeah, That's don't a be joke. surprised don't if that happens. I really am not going to be surprised if it happens, but we're going to hope it doesn't. But defense, I mean, you mentioned Malachi Lawrence. I uh, Corey Thornton had a big pick. Who stood out to you the most? Pick pick your like MVP for this game. Ooh, well, I think, I mean, the easy one is, is obviously RJ Harvey. Mm-hmm. He had a big game, you know. He's the, the, I mean, he's probably the first running back that we've had since... 2013 Storm Johnson has just really carried the load for the uh-huh. offense. Uh, I mean, even our good seasons of 17 and 18 and, and the past few years we've had, you know, running back by committee, whereas RJ Harvey's pretty much been our go-to guy all season long. So, I, I mean, I'll give the, the game ball to him if you put me on the spot. Unlike us, who would give the game ball to Alexander Cartwright, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, RJ Harvey, 136 carries, or 136, 136 That's carries. That's a lot of board. carries in one game. It's like game a Kevin season. Smith is on the team. Yeah. 136 yards and two touchdowns on 21 carries. I So if you're listening to this, you'll know that Bailey and I, we've somehow been in between podcasts while this whole kingdom thing has blown up on Twitter. So we haven't touched on that at all. And we'll get <laughs> into that in our next podcast. I'm not doing it right now because I just don't have the mental capacity to do so. But I will say as far as the kingdom and just UCF's NIL capacity in general, whether or not RJ Harvey is still here next year, I feel like is the biggest test of that because he can come back next year. He was asked about it in post game today and obviously wasn't going to give a real answer, but he gave the typical, oh, I'll talk with my family about what I want to do. He was asked directly, is NFL a possibility? He said, yes. So you, you have two goals. If you're UCF in the kingdom, it's one fend off other schools who are going to come in and offer him money, which we know will happen because it happened last off season yep. and also convince him that you can pay him more than he'll get as a UDFA in the NFL, which I think is still what he's looking at. I don't think he's yep. draft expert Bailey isn't here, but I don't think he's a draftable player right now. So that that's a 
huge, huge test. But we talked about the fun stuff. Let's talk about one player who um uh did not have mm. the best day, and that would be uh UCF's former kicker, I mean current kicker, uh Colton Boomer. <laughs> How'd Colton Boomer do today in your opinion? <laughs> you know, he he's had a rough, rough stretch here uh as of late. What is it? He missed two. Was it just the one PAT and the one field goal? Yes. Yeah, so today he missed two field goals and a PAT. Two field goals and the PAT. And against Texas Tech, he missed a field goal and a PAT. I think I have that all right. We're I getting to the that. point where they're all starting to blur together. There's mm. been so many of them. Um, Boomer's a great guy. He's a great competitor. He's a great player. Love Boomer to death. Um, he's, you know, he's got a case of confidence issues right now, I think. Um, he's obviously earned... Uh, I think a lot of respect from myself and the fan base, you know, he, he saved our, our bowl season in that he was the one that kicked that field goal that won us at Boise state. Right. So can't take anything away from him. Um, but it certainly brings into question what's going on in his mind right now. That, uh, that second kick right after he got iced by Houston. I mean, it looked like he kicked it into his uh, into the line. Yeah. It, and it I, and no I gotta say, because I saw, cause people start, naturally on Twitter start fighting. And I saw some people were like, oh, well, it was blocked. So that's not on him. I'm like that. No, 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 that wasn't blocked. He kicked it into the line <laughs> like yeah. that. It, there was, I, it was I, a low it, kick. It sucks because now I, you probably know if you're listening, that my hot take in the off season was I've been saying for like a year and a half that Colton Boomer is artificially good. I said that I felt like he was sort of flukely good last year because he had some kicks that went in, but were bad. I think like the 25 yarder that he doinked in against Cincinnati I was thrilled to be wrong. And I'm not sitting here now and doing a victory lap of, yeah, it turns out he was great for a whole season, but now he's been bad for one game. So I was correct. I, I mean, I, he's clearly a very good kicker, but it's just, this happens. We've seen this happen with kickers where some, especially, and that's why I was worried with Boomer since he's been so good for so long is that one or two things go wrong and just kind of spirals. And this is clearly a mental thing and not a talent thing to me because he's missing PATs that, that right. there there's nothing to a PAT. I mean, every field goal kicker in the country can hit those. So the fact that he's not implies I don't know. I'm worried. And I, and I liked Gus's answer in post game. Cause I'll, I'll, I'll say it. If I'm the coaching staff, I would have moved on from him after this game. I don't know if I'm making a change in game. I probably would have just said, we're not kicking any more field goals the rest of the way. We're just always going for it, but I would be ready to make a change. And Gus said, they're not doing that. He said, they talked about it and they decided not to. And, and the other factor, if you don't know, is their backup kicker is Grant Reddick, who was the number one kicker prospect in the country last cycle and is a true freshman. So it's not going to have options, but Gus is sticking with him. All right. Where do you stand on that? Give, give I mean, Boomer another shot here in the bowl or is it time to move on? That's pretty much Gus's MO, right? Is he's mm -hmm. going to stick with his guy, right? He's got that loyalty clause in his contract that he signed with UCF that, you know, once he picks a player, he has to stick with them for the rest of the season. Right. Um, so I was not surprised. I, I mean, I threw a tweet out halfway through the game after, uh, after some of the Boomer misses. And I said, you know, we're really going to learn a lot about Gus and, and is, is he going to trot Boomer back out there or is he going to try and, you know, change things up and just try and give Boomer, you know, some time to watch from the sideline and, you know, kind of calm his thoughts. But no, he sent Boomer back out there and and that's that's pretty much Gus's M.O. So I'm not surprised at all. I just don't know where I stand on it. I, I don't know, because, you know, Boomer has the talent, so I don't think this is a situation of, oh, you know, we it's not like he can't play or something or, wow, he's just not good like where they were with Obarski, but. UCF's also in the kind of unique position where we know that they probably have another very good option at kicker. So it's not like there's no one else to turn to. And I'm just, I don't know. I kind of feel like you stick with Boomer for the bowl because it's kind of like, what's the point at this stage in the season and making that yeah. change? But I feel like it makes next year interesting. I mean, are we in for a kicking competition in spring now? It feels like they kind of have to. 
I mean, it's tough to know because we don't know, you know, we're not in those practices. We don't see what these guys are doing or how they look. Um, maybe that's, you know, maybe this is a situation where uh, Reddick just doesn't kick as well during practices. And that kind of translates over to him not getting the start. I, it's really tough to say. I mean, kicking is such a, you're either on or you're off, right? You're either yeah. a good kicker or, or you're not. And, and we've, had, we've had good kickers and we've had bad kickers without, without throwing any names out there. Um, we've been on both sides of the spectrum. So I'll throw the name out there. Daniel Obarski. It was a, uh, <laughs> it was a rough, rough era, which I, it's there one was, of those things where you don't hold anything against them, but man, there were some people calling for Obarski on, uh, on Twitter today. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was in jest, but it was like, I don't oh, care man. if it was in jest or not. You're, you're That's where at. That okay. name during this game. I don't know about that guy. I, I saw someone replied to me. I tweeted about, I tweeted, not Barsky, I tweeted about Boomer and someone replied to me with a photo of Quadri Jones, which I feel like yeah. is like the deepest of inside jokes for UCF fans <laughs> at this point, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't know. I don't totally know what the answer is. I'm kind of of the opinion. It's a bowl game. Just let's see what, put him back out there let's see what happens you'll deal Hopefully with it we're offseason. scoring enough touchdowns we don't have to worry about him making a 45 yard field goal to yeah as uh, ucf's uh, up 56-3 on usf in a bowl game it's very possible um they have to win their game they're not yet bowl eligible they play charlotte i believe this mm-hmm. evening this afternoon in their ucf uh trademarked pewter uniforms with the <laughs> script bulls on the helmets that they announced this week um yeah so i would assume they will be bowl eligible crazier things have happened i think charlotte is a three-win team four-win team so they're effectively not playing for a bowl they're just playing uh spoiler potentially for the cows um i know you would love us to play the bulls in a bowl game i yeah, am right, staunchly I opposed to playing the bulls in a bowl game um and here's my here's my crazy thought if we play usf it would probably be in the gasparilla bowl in tampa so one they would have i and i guess you would say home field advantage we know don't advantage. really turn out um they could for this game right it's the first time they're going to go bowling in a long time if they do and i'll remind you how it went the last time uh ucf play in a bowl game in tampa against a six and six power five team from florida uh, it didn't turn out so well for the Power Five team. So, not to put that into the universe, but I would not want us to play the Cows with a, with a chance for them to walk away with a victory. Well, first off, this is so refreshing because Bailey and I just agree on everything, so it's just a lot of like, hell yeah, sounds good, and then we move on. But uh-uh. I part of it for me is just a personal thing. Of there were like, the, I'm going to put in quote unquote rumors, even though it was true, and we know it's true that Florida tried very hard to get out of playing UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl in 2021. Oh, yeah. It's no surprise, obviously. And I can't. I made so much fun of them for that that mentality. I can't possibly turn around now and be like, yeah, UCF shouldn't play that. Like I, I have to commit. Like I'm all in <laughs> on it. But I honestly, and it's. I feel like it's kind of an age divide because I've seen a lot of like the younger fans on Twitter where I don't know. It feels like, is it fair to say the younger part of the fan base doesn't really care about USF as much as the older part? Is it maybe just because USF's never been good since they've been fans has played a role in that? They haven't been good, but they always play us tough. Yeah, it's always a good game. It's not like we're blowing them out. I mean, look at the crowd today. UCF's Black Friday games are always, with USF, are always sold out games and today was not. But I, I don't know. To me, it's just, College football is supposed to be fun, and I missed that rivalry. And I, and I couldn't say that on Twitter this week. I would not tweet that because I know I would have gotten hammered. But like all week, I'm just like I miss USF. Like they're mm. they're so fun to beat. And I just and I I know I was gonna get no like it's great that UCF won a game, but I'm not like yeah like let's go find a Houston account to make fun of. There's like three of them, and they don't talk anyway. I mean you know it's just not the same. I, 
I have the same dilemma over the fact that when we were the team that was behind South Florida and South Florida didn't want to play us anymore. And, you know, they said, Oh, we're, you know, we're, we're on to bigger and better things and you don't deserve to play us. And now that the shoe's kind of on the other foot, um, I do feel like there's, you know, they can always pull that out and say, Oh, well, you know, you said that when we didn't want to play you guys, that we were avoiding you guys. And now, now, you know, the foot, you know, the shoes on the other foot. So I can see the, the, the argument to be made either way, but mm, I'd, I'd rather play somebody else. I don't, I don't see us playing a power five opponent anyway. It's going to um, be, a, um, this is one of those things where, because it's going to be a weird, weird year for bowl selections because there aren't going to be, an, as of right now, it sounds like there aren't going to be enough bowl eligible teams. And the big 12 is already in a weird year anyway, because they, for one season have 14 teams. They haven't gotten their bowl stock or whatever you want to call it the number of bowls they have deals with up yet to really meet that so like the bottom feeder teams of the big 12 going to bowls which is what ucf is are just kind of going to be thrown in wherever espn wants them so like i have no i have no understanding of where ucf can end up i feel like it can pretty much be anywhere if my money was on it i'd say cure gasparilla i'm actually going to be or shreveport i pray to god but i'm going to like shreveport yeah i'm going Bailey, Bailey, Bailey's not on the podcast. He can't defend himself. Bailey has agreed to go to Shreveport. He you did can't agree. Prove me wrong. You can't put me wrong. I was there. I heard it. Yeah, Brian heard it too. The two people are now saying it. That makes it true. Bailey has agreed to go to Shreveport, but it's one of those things where it's Splash Kingdom. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Yeah. Going. I think it's like two <laughs> slides, but I'm absolutely going to Splash Kingdom. I'm going to check out their IMAX theater, which was the number one attraction they listed on their tour. We don't have those in Florida. We do not have any IMAX theaters in Florida. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do here. All there is is to go to like the beach or downtown or to any of the tourist attractions. There's nothing to do here. Terrible place to live. Rather be in Louisiana. But the other one that I saw floating around out there is the first responders bowl in Dallas. That's potential, yeah. I saw one that was UCF USF in Dallas, which I think would maybe be the dumbest thing of all time. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. I mean, I, it's college football. Like I could see them doing it, and I'll be there. But I'd just be really upset about that, to be honest. I, if, I if you're going to play two Florida teams, you should have them in in Florida especially let's not, let's not be silly about this it's not like they're like oh man yeah we it's like we can't put them in the state that leads a number of bulls in state like there's just right. nowhere for them to go there i'll have to send them right. to texas but that's my other take for why i kind of want to be usf though is i mean bulls what how much they matter season in and season out just kind of depends on the opponent at this point like i don't think any ucf fans really cared about that duke game last year right in the military bowl and that's why like when ucf lost it wasn't even like the normal sting of a loss everyone was just kind of like Okay, and then you move on with the season. And and if UCF gets some random game like that, where it's like, I don't know, like Independence Bowl versus Coastal Carolina was one that I saw two or two weeks ago that Bailey mentioned on the pod. It's like, does anyone care about that? Is there any hype or interest at all? The only thing that concerns me is winding up with a bulkable situation where mm. we just get blown out by like mm. a BYU or something like that. And you just, you don't have that momentum going into the off season. Right. Yeah. So I would prefer us to find an opponent that we're comfortably going to win against. Let's get those extra bowl practices in uh, maybe get some younger guys, some reps, you know, that there's potentially going to be some, some guys sitting out and not playing in the bowl game. Let's go out. Let's get a win. You know, let's end up seven and five on this or seven and six on the season. Excuse me, and uh, carry that momentum into twenty twenty four because we're going to need it. And I will say that I've I've flipped on it because I w- I in past years was one hundred percent, especially when they were still in the AAC. Same thing of like I just want the easiest opponent possible. Like I remember back in twenty nineteen, they got Gasparilla versus Marshall. Everyone was like, we want a power five opponent. I'm like, hell yeah, go beat yeah. up on Marshall and get a top twenty five season. Yep. Like let's do it. But I don't know. It's interesting. I'm actually kind of just. 
it's kind of cool to be sitting here and being able to have this conversation because as recently as two, three weeks ago, I did not think they were going to a bowl. I think yeah. after that West Virginia loss, which that was the fifth straight one, it just kind of felt like they're never getting out of this. There's no way they're finishing three and one. And they're here. They did it. They're actually going to a bowl game. Which is where we expect them to be all year long, right? Well, they should be in the Big 12 title game. And well, honestly, yeah, frankly, I mean, fire the staff we, because they're not. Um, plays when we could have. Oh, that's nothing to know. Gus was at, for the first time. Gus was asked about other jobs in his uh in the post game press conference, which has which has not happened before, and he gave the most typical coach answer possible. He was like, "Oh, I'm going to be here. Um, the future of this place is so great." Blah blah blah. So we learned nothing there. But okay, we're out. It would have been really funny if he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to Mississippi State." Like just announced yeah. it in the press conference. Yeah. Like, so I'll see y'all later. But I've said we saw a past podcast, and I know things have changed a bit since then. But UCF, knocking on wood, should be good for this year with the coaching changes. I uh, Mississippi State was the only real opening that would be interested in Gus. And, I don't see and, him going to Mississippi State. If he's going to go back to the SEC, he's going to wait for an Arkansas to 100%. open up, right? That's That is the only spot that you could realistically see him going back to. Um, does he really want to go back to the SEC to deal with the pressure cooker that he had, like he did when he had when he was at Auburn? Auburn. Um, the only way I could see him doing that is if, if, if that Arkansas job opened up and he decided he wanted to go back to Arkansas. Yeah. And and that's why when those rumors were out there, when which Arkansas since said they are not firing Sam Pittman, but when those rumors are out there, we talked about on the pod, I was worried because I, I'm not worried about Mississippi State or whatever. No offense to Mississippi State, but that one's worrying. But I it we're done for this year. We don't have to worry about it. We can get this yeah. awesome recruiting class in and we can deal about it next we can deal with all that next year. But I I don't know. I'm trying to think as far as opt-outs for this bowl. It would just be wild speculation to name anyone at this point, so I don't really want to. But I feel like off the top of my head, I feel like Traymon might be one who we're probably not going to see in the bowl game. I think there's. I think a, a lot shot. of it depends on the bowl that we're in and who we're mm-hmm. playing, right? Um, yeah. If we're if we're playing a no name G five school that's not South Florida, um, I could see more opt outs taking place than than you would expect if we were playing there, perhaps the cows. Right. Um, so yeah, Traymon. Um, RJ Harvey potentially if he's going to plan to try oh, and my heart would shatter. I know. But <laughs> if I mean if he's serious about trying to see what his draft stock is and prepare for the draft, I would not be surprised if he sat out and get probably a heavy dose of maybe Johnny Richardson or some of the younger backs, perhaps even Johnny Richardson, I don't know. Which the other factor here is the portal opens uh mm-hmm. at the end of next weekend, I think December 4th or December December 4th, Monday is the day the, the portal gates. opens. So there will also be we may be talking about some guys who or we, we maybe not be talking about some guys right now that are going to be in the portal that are surprises that we'll then have to adjust for in the bowl as well. But it'll be interesting. I'm it's I, the most wonderful time of year. It is the most. What's more fun than players unexpectedly leaving your team? I, I think it's just great. Or play or unexpectedly gaining. Play. Oh, that's another thing I need to bring up really quickly, and then we can get out of here. Uh, quick update, Malachi Singleton. Um, have you have you followed this whole thing on Twitter last? I time? have been following this on Twitter. So I post so. Somebody had posted, oh, uh, they were commenting about why Malachi Singleton was on the bench in the game yesterday. And I had commented back to the post saying that, you know, South Florida has, or uh, not South Florida, Central Florida has uh, lovely palm trees and sunshine this time of year. And Malachi Singleton's mom replied to the post and said, absolutely, yes, they do. Interesting. What? (laughs) interesting she Read went on that all you want a rant i mean she sent like 10 tweets last night there mentioning gus in a couple of them flat out saying gus Muldon doesn't talent. lie and he knows talent and so if you're wondering who ucf's quarterback of the future is it might be malachi singleton who if you don't know the name he was a four-star in last year's class that ucf went after hard and he ended up at arkansas 
why he ended up at Arkansas. There's varying rumors and whatnot out there. Some people blame NIL. I never, I, I don't want to just blanket blame NIL every time UCF doesn't get a recruit, but you know, it is the SEC, but it's an SEC school. I mean, you can't, it's Gus's future job. I mean, come That's on, they true, got a lot right? of money, but, yeah. but Malachi He's going to stay there and Gus is going to transfer to, to Arkansas. Would that be the, I mean, honestly, like, even though I absolutely know he could take the job in a year, I will be making many jokes on Twitter if UCF takes Arkansas's quarterback of the future in the portal of, wow, in two months you went from, you're taking our coach to we took your quarterback. So congrats on that. But yeah, it's. Would you make that, would you make that trade? What, trade Gus for Malachi Singleton? Yeah. No. I would not. I don't know. We don't know anything about Malachi. He could come in and be terrible. I, I feel like I'd be a moron if I made that. Change. I've I've said what I have to say on the Gus stuff. I I know that everyone's not happy, and I'm not saying there are not problems because golly gee, there sure are. But I think I honestly I think I'm more in love with this recruiting class they have right now than Gus. I mean, nine four stars come in this class. Eddie Pierre Louis is still kind of hovering out there, waiting to see what he he's going to do. Kylan Fox, that's a big one. I, I also got to mention that as Kylan Fox was supposed to be at the Iron Bowl today. And came to UCF instead. That was very unexpected. Yeah, that's a big thing we didn't touch on is that they had a lot of recruits on hand to watch this game and watch UCF get, you know, that bowl eligibility. So that was big. Yeah. Um, and I saw that you had posted some pictures about the crowd. Um, how did the crowd look uh, from the press box? It was tough to see on Twitter. Yeah, so I'll flat out say on the on the podcast and I will tweet it. Like I very heavily, like I, I very intentionally did not show the, the, the north end zone in my photos because there were not people in it. But other than that, the stadium kind of fell out. To be honest, like at kickoff, I was thinking it looked pretty bad, but other than the, is it the North end zone? Am I saying the right one? Or is that the South end zone? That is the, the far North. One. The North end zone is the one that's the double, the two yeah. sides. With yeah, the two, yeah. the two. Yeah. That one was obviously totally empty, which is just kind of like, I feel like even if this had been a night game, it might've been different. Cause I think a lot of students are getting back in town today and just a noon game isn't really going to happen. But other than that, it kind of filled out. I think if I'm them, I would, cause they can lie. I would probably announce like 38, 39,000 call it a day. So it wasn't the terrible. announced attendance according to Trace Trelko was a little over 43,000. Okay. Well, they're lying. That That's right. bad. I mean, that's okay. tickets sold, I guess. Or They you know, seriously but... announced 40. Uh, what are we doing guys? Okay. Well, no, there were not 43,000 people at the game, but it was still, a. it was, a, it was, Nothing like the 2016 era crowds where people weren't showing up. It was a good crowd. It was loud at times. So yeah, it was a good crowd. What are your thoughts on uh, our Pegasus blackout uniforms? I almost we, we forgot. would be remiss I'm if we didn't. So get happy! I literally almost Simmons forgot. Detail of uniforms. Man, can you believe it's been two years since they did a blackout with the Pegasus uniforms? It was USF in 2021. Yeah, it was the debut with the Nighthead logo on the helmet. We're going to see time. less and less of it with night mode now, though. I don't know if we are. I, it, it's interesting because I, so night mode was worn two times this year. Am I having, do I have that right? It was worn against Kent state and was worn against Baylor. And then they wore light mode twice as well. They twice wore that against well, Kansas yes, believe, and they wore against yeah. Cincinnati. I'm fine with that, but I think that's the limit for me because I think they're very cool. I think both of them night mode in particular are the flashiest uniforms UCF has mm-hmm. ever worn. They're less traditional and more very in your face that popping off the jerseys, reflective gold and the night head on the sleeves with, and they always match the decals too. It's that, yep. it's that all black the and gold decal. Yeah. yeah. It's not like the one they wore today where it's got the black and gold in there and the white stroke and everything. And the fully detailed logo is just very strictly black. And gold. I mean, there's no white anywhere on the night mode uniform. It, it, yep. It's all black and gold. It's very flashy. It's very cool. But to me, it feels more like an alternate than what like I want to see their identity be, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I, I think that the night mode and the light mode uniform should be one to two times max, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see us, if we're going for a blackout, like today's uniform was perfect, right? Yep. We, we had the blackout, but it was the Pegasus. It was the traditional uh, standard jersey set that we see that UCF plays with. Um, so unless it's a special game where we're going to roll out, you know, the night mode or the light mode 
uh, uniform set once. Actually, I guess one of the times that they wore light mode, it was just the jersey. It wasn't the full white, yep. white jersey, white pants. Um, they they threw it in there with, was it black pants? Yep, it was against, black pants and it was gold yeah. helmets with the yeah. script knights on the side against Cincinnati. And as good as that looked, I would I would caution us from from doing that too often during the season. Yeah, I think this what they did this year is my max two of yeah. each and and yeah. stick with the rest because I, I did game on top of it. I mean, that's and the five space games. Game. Yeah, that's yeah. five of twelve games. Suddenly, you're not wearing your your stu- your two standard uniforms, and I didn't think I really realized that because don't get me wrong, that mode stuff looks great. The combo against Kent State, the new gold helmets that match the night mode numbers, and those helmets with night mode jerseys and black pants looks freaking awesome like it i does. love that i want to see that again but the black pegasus jersey in particular even more than the road version that just feels like ucf to me like that jersey is ucf and i don't even think i realized how much i missed a blackout with that uniform until i saw it today because god damn it looked good what are your thoughts on the helmet having different logos on opposite sides i was about to ask you this next so i'm glad that we're i'm glad i don't like in this area okay so i go back and forth on it because they did it. They they actually the the one version you really noticed it on this year was they did one version of the script nights where it was on both sides, mm-hmm. and then they did one version where it was UCF on one side and script nights on the other. I realized with that version, I like the script nights just being on one side because a it's the script nights isn't always clear on TV. Like if you're not yeah, getting it's a shot, what it says. See, yeah. And I also kind of like that whenever you have two players like facing each other, it literally says UCF Knights across their helmets. So I like that. So they did. They posted a picture of that on social media where it was the night head on one side and the stack because they were facing each other. So you had mm-hmm. the stack and you had the night head. And that was a really cool picture. Uh, me, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a CPA. I need to have symmetry in my life. So I, from a balanced perspective, I don't like when they go different different sides of the helmet. Um, you know, I, some people love it. It's just, if I'm making the helmets, it's going to be the same logo on both sides. So I got to say, because you said that reminded me of it when you said that you're a symmetry person. So I read you're on Sons of UCF, your space uniform. Uh, yes, here we go. Ranking. I know what you're going to ask. And you, well, hold on, because I'm kind of with you on part of it, but you had the moon helmet combo from 2019 quite low. And you said it was the symmetry of having the black on one side and the gray on the other. So I I ranked the 2019 space game. Uh, what Christian is referring to is I had gone back and just done a quick look back and given my personal rankings on all the space uniforms um, of one through seven, uh, because the seventh, this was mission seven this year. And I believe I had the 2019 space game ranked uh, in the top three, but it was number three. And for those of you that can't picture it off the top of your head because you're a terrible fan and you don't know uniforms like me and Christian do, um, that was the uh, the all white with the rocket logo pants and the moon helmet. And the moon helmet was fantastic. However, it was not symmetrical. They tried to do too much with it from my uh, from my perspective, they tried to make it near side and far side of the moon or light side and dark side of the moon, if you will. And if you're looking at the helmet from the front or the back, it looks off balance to me. Now, if they had just gone with an all you know symmetrical light side color moon, um, I think that's the top helmet you've ever seen UCF wear. My other gripe with it is on the dark side of the moon, you can't even see the UCF stack. It's just a darkish looking helmet from one side it's 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 not symmetrical and i know that that's a that's a hot take and christian is is probably rolling his eyes right now he's 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 fuming uh because that's his favorite helmet but mm, sorry well first off let me say i think it's cool that we invite you on for one episode and you've blown all of our hot takes out the water (laughs) this is just like next level that's what i'm here for 
Uh, thank you. I appreciate it's actually making like me look better from all the crazy things I've said. Like I'm just like <laughs> say crazy stuff and I'll just be like interesting. But no, so what's interesting about that is that I like the 2019 space uniforms a lot less than the general fan base does, but for completely different reasons than you do. Cause I, I love that. I love the helmet. I think it's awesome. I thought the light and dark side, it worked for me. I understand if you're not a symmetry person, it doesn't because there is like a fine divide of people in the world, especially even just with decals of whether you want them to be the same or they can be different. And when you're talking about the whole freaking color of the helmet, I think you're going to alienate the people who feel that way. Yeah. But my issue with the 2019 space uniforms was that, which like for the record, we're nitpicking as hell here. They're all amazing. Oh, sure. the space uniforms Absolutely. are crazy. But I thought they were the weakest jersey and pants that we've seen through all of them. Not counting Ooh, the first one that obviously just had decals because the jersey to me was largely just a rehash of what we just saw in 2018. It was the same general design. They just flipped it from black to white and they changed the color and they changed the color of the numbers from reflective just black. And this ah, is the numbers, but the numbers had the Pegasus constellation inside the numbers, which I did. think is Very pretty cool. fantastic. That gives I, it extra points. Again, they're all great. I'm not sitting here and saying it's yeah, a bad jersey. Yeah. It was fantastic. I will say the one thing I hate about those uniforms, it's the only space uniform thing I've ever really hated. I hate the red and black USA on the pants <gasps> to mimic the other. No, that's my it. favorite part I of the it. uniform. It's, you have this whole uniform that's all white and black and blue and gray all the way through. And then Ranley's like red at the bottom. Yeah, and it just feels I can wildly out of place to me. I don't know. But I've posted that take on Twitter and people have like threatened my life. So I know I'm wrong. Like clearly- They should I've have perhaps saved those pants for perhaps the, the Discovery um, Mission 5 uniforms mm. where they were all white with the Discovery uniforms. Right. And, the, and they the had some red so in there cool. yeah. on the patch and everything. That so would have been a good that. one to, to roll those out for instead, but- yeah, but really uh, I, they I all just really understand your take on that. But really they all just all these space uniforms are nothing compared to USF's uh, gray and slime green um thing they're wearing this weekend. Mm, so just, yeah, uh, just yeah. got I mean it, kudos to them for using less slime, I guess perhaps. Mm -hmm. Lower uh, on I the guess slime for sure. That's the bonus, right? Uh for them. But uh yeah, they they decided that uh UCF dropped pewter from its color scheme and they decided, hey, we can pick this ball up and run with it. He really then boy did they do it but yeah, yeah they did shout out to usf for trying um that's always great for them but well i think we pretty much covered everything this was some good uniform talk i did you're, you're more passionate about this than bailey is i love that maybe we'll just make this permanent so we can just talk about uniforms the entire i will talk i will talk uniforms all day long bailey I'm, I, I know you're listening and, and i'm lying it's not true love you but <laughs> thank you so much brian for joining us and subbing in for bailey i had a ton of fun ucf is going bowling we're excited we're going bowling i can't Could wait to see what are we are we gonna are we expecting a week or so before we figure out where we're going Sometimes it starts leaking out a little earlier, so we'll see. We might we might have some ideas in the coming days, but time will tell because conference championship weekend does need to sort itself out. But I personally cannot wait to travel to uh, Texas to see them take on USF. It's going to be great. First responders bowl. Let's go. Very excited. But thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Bailey and I will be back with a podcast this week where we're going to talk about the bowl, presumably. We're going to finally touch on this kingdom stuff since that's been a whole thing, and it will be a lot of fun. So we will talk to you guys later.